0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.
1: So if I were to ask you, how is your heart? I can answer it, wicked. So is mine. And Satan capitalizes by sending me counterfeits that will draw me in to euphoria, to success, to worship, and oftentimes they're so closely related. If I'm not in a group of people that can hold me accountable and challenge me, I'm just not strong enough. Today. Today. Today
0: today, with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. And in this episode, Pastor Jeff continues a series called Heart Check. He says that this is a good time to have a heart check as we start the new year and see where you are with God. We're finishing a message that we started last time in Revelation chapter 2, using these letters to illustrate the heart you and I should have. He's partway through this message, so you may want to head back and check out part one wherever you listen to your podcasts. Here's Pastor Jeff with more of the message
1: on counterfeit gods. Remember when we talked about Yom Kippur? Priest goes in, people of God. It's a big day, day of atonement. Everybody's come in and around the tabernacle, the temple. The priest has two goats, one goat for his own sacrifice before he represents the sins of the people, then the goat that will be called the what? Scapegoat. They will tie a red cord around the scapegoat. They will, he will transfer the sins of the people onto the goat in symbolism and then they will, a Gentile would lead the goat out into the wilderness to be an, an illustration or expression of our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. And over the next 10 days, that red cord would turn white as a symbol that though our sins be as scarlet, yet they shall be made white as snow. What does Hitler do or Satan do with the people of God? He uses them as a scapegoat. He tells the Germans that all their problems are because of the Jews and we have to exterminate. We've got to get rid of them. And what does he do? He leads them out of the city into camps. He marks each Jew with a red letter J in their passports. And he leads them out. He herds them together, unable to escape into the wilderness camps. He transports them with cattle, goats, and lambs, things that were sacrificed on the temple mount on behalf of the people of God. Now, is Hitler this clever? I don't think so. This is all the work of the evil one, the counterfeit system. The enemy is always taking something that is meant for holy and for good and counterfeiting it and using it for his purposes, which usually destroy the people of God. Let's keep going. Just one second here. In 2 Chronicles 29, 7, we are told that the burnt offerings are offered in the holy place to the God of Israel. The burnt offerings will be offered in the holy place. Offered, 2 Chronicles 29.7. There is a place in Europe called Auschwitzum. It's referred to as the holy place, and it's Auschwitz. Again, does Hitler do this on purpose, or is this Satan mocking the plan and the work of God? I looked up this past week, I thought, okay, I've heard so many different numbers. How many people died in World War II under Hitler's regime? You know, I've seen numbers like 80. I've seen numbers like 40. But it seems most scholars have settled on the number 60 million people worldwide died. Six million Jews. It's like Satan gave a tithe to himself. And it was the people of God. The seed of Satan in full effect. Somebody told the story once that Hitler went to a medium and she told him that he would die on a Hebrew holy day. He said, how do you know that? She said, any day you die is going to be a Hebrew holy day. Right? (laughs) Do you know what's interesting? All through the New Testament, we, as the people of God, are referred to as lambs. You know, sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I'm the good shepherd, says Jesus. The sheep lays down his life or the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Satan is referred to as what? The wolf. Without protection from the shepherd, the wolf devours the sheep. Do you know that Adolf's name means wolf? What does all this mean? It means that the devil is a plagiarist and he tries to copy everything that God does, only he turns it on its head. And if you're not aware of that, listen, listen. If you're not aware of that, and more importantly than that, if you're not in a community of people who can speak into your life, you're in deep danger of being deceived because you can't do it on your own. He's clever. And we say that he is and then live as though he's not thinking that we can go out on our own. Man, if you're not part of a group of people, and I'm not talking about this. I'm glad you're here, but if you're not part of a group of people who are doing life together, reading the word, holding each other accountable, why did the church succeed? Why did it succeed in the midst of what it faced? I'll tell you why. Because Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. That's why. They were devoted. They latched on They wouldn't let go because they knew their life depended on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? How He's clever, but he's not creative. He just copies and turns it over. So when, as a pastor, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll meet somebody out and I won't use any names. Sometimes they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I was so lonely and I needed, I needed relationship. I needed love. Now, can I ask you something? Do you think God knows that? Do you think Satan knows that? And then one day I went out and I met this guy and God sent him into my life. I'm so thankful. And I started asking about the guy. He's not a believer. He doesn't read his Bible. He's agnostic. This is a true story. And I had to look at her and say, God didn't send you that man. Satan sent you that man. You don't think he knows your need and what you're looking for and what you want? You don't think he can counterfeit it? Can I give you three quick areas? Oh yeah, we're right on top. Three quick areas, the counterfeits. In our culture, quickly, one, counterfeit peace and hope. In our affluence, we began to believe that we can control our own destinies. That's what happens when you're in the West. We have know-how, we have ingenuity, we have unlimited resources. And that may have been true at the time, but we always assume they'll remain, that nothing will ever change. And they give us this false sense of peace. And now here we are, the crash of 2008. And now a recession is upon us. While we were in affluence, we chased hard after self-sufficiency. Because there's a part of human nature that doesn't want to depend on anyone other than ourselves, so we end up abandoning God, believing we no longer need him, and then COVID-19 came. And, And now with no anchor and a false sense of security, the straw man that we had built began to blow away in the wind, and the world panicked and began destroying itself from the inside out. That's why I keep asking you, how did you respond during covid Because that will reveal your real heart, who you really are. I wonder sometimes, does Satan have the ability to send us blessings? Absolutely. Counterfeit. God gives us food, shelter, and clothing so that we might praise the giver of all good gifts and gain a piece of his provision. Satan turns it on its head and uses the blessings to turn our hearts away from him. And this desperation of the soul to worship its maker has no time anymore because we've been blessed with so much stuff, we're distracted. And the result is the death of the soul and meaninglessness and purposelessness. And then you get epidemics of anxiety and depression and lawlessness and suicide. You remember the old church sign that's cheesy but good, no God, no peace, no God, K-N-O-W, no peace. Do you think that a total and full dependence on God is a bad thing? No matter how much stuff you have, your soul knows it's not going to be here forever. So even if you try to kid yourself or block it out, your soul will begin to die because it knows it's only a matter of time. Man, when you start putting your peace and hope in how much stuff you have and all the things you can do and the liberty and freedom that you have, just like that, it can all be taken away. The second thing is the counterfeit euphoria and experience. The counterfeit... listen, parents, listen carefully because this will help us with our kids. The counterfeit God of our time, my generation, was power and money because it gave us a false sense of peace but also a, a sense of excitement. We, we were addicted to happiness. We, hey, our, this generation is the way they are because of us. We gave this to them. We modeled to them that the most important things were recreation, movies, vacation, eating out. I mean, we, we, our generation invented... Fast food. Like I said before, it might be fast, but it ain't food. But it's a luxury to be able to eat out. Somebody else prepares the meals for you. And so our generation was the first generation to define happiness in a different way that Plato and Aristotle had defined it as eudaimonia, finding your role in God's world and playing it. We define happiness as pleasurable satisfaction, that which makes us feel good. So we, we wanted to be wealthy so we could do more movies and recreation and vacation and eating out and camping and beaching and mountaining and deserting or deserting, that, both of those things. All of these things are a gift from God, and they're not bad, but Satan turns them on their head, and makes euphoria the ultimate goal. So you seek the euphoric experience. That's what you want. you're addicted to it, which is why you live with chronic discontent. You go from one happiness fix to the next. And now we have an entire generation that they're absolutely governed and controlled by the feeling of happiness. So this entire generation that we've raised are quitting their jobs now, I read this past week in the New York Times, because it doesn't feel good. Wow! Now, this can be honorable. If you're leaving a job because it doesn't match your gifts and abilities, that's one thing. But if your primary motive and all the decisions you make is happiness or pleasurable satisfaction, I love the line of the Father Frank, and everybody loves Raymond, when Raymond and Robert say, When well, doesn't feel good. He says, do you think Korea felt good? <laughs> See, if, if you base everything on pleasurable satisfaction, you're not going to bow your neck, be tough, and do duty. There's a thing called duty. You know what? Newsflash, marriage doesn't feel good sometimes. Your job doesn't feel good sometimes. And this is not the first generation to seek euphoria. Drinking wine and having sex felt good to the Romans, but ultimately it destroyed the family and brought down an entire culture. Listen, here's the good news. You were actually created to seek euphoria. Did you know that? See how God gives you something and Satan turns it on its head. But the euphoria you're looking for is in worship. Where God gives you a sense of what is beyond. The pleasurable satisfaction of rumors of another world. You're wired for that. Archbishop William Temple. For worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of the mind with his truth, the purifying of the imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of the will to his purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Adoration. Man. Euphoria. There is a euphoria. Young people, there's a euphoria that always satisfies And you know what it is when you come into contact with the living God. And how do you do that? The submission of your heart and soul to him and his purposes. And you will live. Remember, how many times do I have to give the example of Exodus 3 when Moses said, tell me, how do I know you're going to be with me? And God says, here's how you know. When you've obeyed me, you're going to stand and worship me on the mountain. So what you're looking for in euphoria is on the other side of obeying God. Loving God, serving God. And one day you wake up and you realize, man, God and I are tight and nothing's going to give you that experience like that. Nothing. <laughs> but there's one final counterfeit and it's the big one of our time. So much so that I'm going to spend the entire month next year in February addressing it. But I've got to give a little piece of it right now. Parents, listen, please. Counterfeit identity. Have you ever heard of the Tower of Pisa, anybody, in Italy? It's not around the world for its unintentional tilt. The building project, if you read about it, was flawed from the beginning because the foundation was only three meters deep and the subsoil around it was so weak and unstable. In the 1990s, engineers tried to come in and rescue it because they were afraid it was going to collapse. So they tried to straighten the tower by one and one-half degrees. Well, that worked for a while. What's the point? If you don't start well, you won't finish well. When you're building a life, you got to start well. At some point, you can have a restart, but at some point, you got to start. And when it comes to our identity, who we really are, the Bible says that if you don't begin with the doctrine of sin, you will build your life on a false assumption. Your true identity, and if you're a Christ follower, this is not up for discussion. Your true identity is you are made in the image of Christ. But you have a fallen nature. We're all sinners. You, me, all of us. We've all got issues. Some of us more than others, right? But we all got them. All of them. If that offends a person as a secular person, I kind of understand that to some degree because the gospel is offensive. It tells you, yeah, you're created in the image of God, but you're flawed, man. You're flawed. But if that offends you as a Christ follower, you've been taken in by the counterfeit. Because Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. Yes, I've been created in God's image. But the moment I was born, I had a disposition toward self and the flesh and away from God and the spirit. Do you know that? Hey, if we were born without flaw, why do we have to spend so much time teaching our children to behave? It's amazing. I love my grandchildren, Ada and Owen, I do, but they're little rascals. So are your grandchildren. You know, they have to be taught to share. They have to be taught not to beat each other up and pull each other's hair. When you're born, you got this thing, you're trying, think about it, you're trying to manipulate almost from day one the whole world around you to get what you want. You're supposed to grow out of it, but many people do not. Your favorite word is mine, mine, or no, right? Can I encourage some of you parents, your children struggle with sin, not because they had improper upbringing, but because they're sinners. Adam and Eve had the best parents ever, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they still rebelled. God tells you that you are created in the image of God, but tainted by the fall and sinful nature. But listen, Satan offers a counterfeit claim. He says you're created in God's image and therefore everything you feel and do is right. He's a plagiarist. Yeah, you're created in the image of God. Therefore, if something is innate in you, it must be right. Jesus teaches just because something is innate doesn't mean it's permissible. He says, you gotta be born again. You gotta put off the desires of the flesh and live according to the spirit. And when it comes to the sexual sins and identity in our generation, Satan and the world that lies under his sway says, you were born that way, so it must be okay. Wow. That logic just won't hold water. How does that math work? You're born selfish. It's okay. You're born narcissistic. It's okay. Overall, you're just a royal pain in the backside. Is that okay? Okay. The American Psychiatric Association, so this is not a Christian journal, says some people believe that sexual orientation is innate and fixed. However, sexual orientation develops across a lifetime. So they're telling us that influencers occur in your life that determine who you are, nature and nurture. And we're told that scientists are far from discovering the factors that contribute to the development of sexual attractiveness. And you can be influenced by society to go a certain way. So it's untenable and irresponsible to claim that the innateness of sexual attraction is a proven reality. It's not. However, even if it was, that doesn't mean it's permissible. Why is it that a friend of mine can take one drink and go off in a binge, but other friends of mine are not tempted to do so? Some people have a predisposition to alcohol. Alcohol. What's the answer? You must be born again. It doesn't matter if you were born a liar and your temperament and personality is a people pleaser so you tell everybody what they want to hear and you never tell the truth. You must be born again. It doesn't matter if you have a predisposition to pornography. We all have issues. The answer is always the same. You must be born again. It doesn't matter that you were born with an aversion to monogamy and a desire for polygamy. You must be born again. It doesn't matter if you were born with a desire to sleep with underage girls. You must be born again. The counterfeit identity that Satan offers is you are not who you are, God's creation, but your identity is what you are, straight, gay, lesbian, transgender, whatever. Your identity, the world tells us today, is wrapped up in your sexuality because it's become the God. Sex is the counterfeit God of this age. It promises euphoria. But outside godly parameters, we know. They just won't tell us. They won't announce it. It brings anger, frustration, hopelessness, alienation, and a severe identity crisis that ushers in an unparalleled anxiety and depression. Jeff, why do you talk about this? Because I love you. I don't know of any sin in my life that when I act upon it, brings me life. It brings me death. I got my own issues. Plenty of them. And when I act upon them, death. Death to my marriage. Death to my relationship with my kids. Death to my leadership in the church. All of them. I don't know of it. What happened that we think that any sin in our lives... That just because something is innate, just because we come into the world with something, that it must be right. If you carry that logic all the way out, you're never going to be able to say anything is wrong. And that's where we are. This is not a message for just the gay or transgender community, but for every single one of us sinners. You must be born again. And if you're gay or lesbian, you're struggling with those things. Remember, we love you. We, we understand It's real. And we got issues too, but we don't love you by telling you it's okay. That's like me saying to my friend, Michael, it's okay. I know you feel, have feelings for this other woman. Go cheat on your wife. No. No. We love you. We, we, we want to tell you the truth because we want you to have the life that Christ has for you. Commit your life to Jesus. Start over. Run from the counterfeit identity Satan offers you because it will not bring life. It might be a difficult journey and sin is deeply ingrained. The Bible says the heart of man is wicked. It means every man, every woman. Our hearts are wicked. We need need to be born again. We need regeneration. We need to be changed. So if I were to ask you, how is your heart? I can answer it. Wicked. So is mine. And Satan capitalizes by sending me counterfeits that will draw me in to euphoria, to success, to worship. And oftentimes they're so closely related. If I'm not in a group of people that can hold me accountable and challenge me, I'm just not strong enough. Clocks are from the devil. (laughs) Father, I've, gone on too far I I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room I pray for all of us I pray for myself the reality that Satan will send counterfeits he will mock God he will attempt to draw worship unto himself so much so that Paul said our struggle is not against flesh and blood it's against the unseen the powers that we don't see but are nevertheless there I pray for all my brothers and sisters that if there's any of us that need to turn around right now and stop saying that God sent me this when we know deep in our hearts this is not the way of God that we would have the courage to repent. I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters. God, open our eyes to see the truth of who you are and to pursue relentlessly your life for us in every facet that the abundant life might be ours. For those who are struggling with any of these things I mentioned, we all struggle, I pray they would talk to someone, someone who will love them and coach them and help them to find life according to design. In Christ's name, amen.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you listen to podcasts.